the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the gentle, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. I'm sure that if you were to look up different lists of groups and people who are admired, these would not be the people that would be at the top of the list. In fact, many people would look down upon these groups. They would see those who mourn as crybabies. They would see the gentle as weak. They would see the peacemakers as doormats. And some might even go so far as to mock the idea of humility and purity and meekness and grieving, despising those characteristics and those qualities. Today we begin a new series on the Beatitudes that are found in Matthew 5, verses 3 through 12. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he saw the multitude, he didn't get in a boat like he did in the Gospel of Mark. He didn't stand by the seashore, but instead he went up a mountain. And when he went up to that mountain, he sat down and his disciples came to him. And then the Lord Jesus Christ opened up his mouth and began to preach and to teach. And he gave the greatest sermon that anyone has ever given. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. You can find it in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. In the beginning part of the Sermon on the Mount, when the Lord first opens his mouth, his focus is on what we call the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. He talks about not CEOs, not presidents and governors, but he talks about a different group of people. And he says that these are the people who are blessed. These are the people who are favored. It's not the rich. It's not those who are the rulers. It's not those who are the religious. It's not those who are wealthy. It's not those who run major corporations, but no, it's individuals who are poor in spirit. Those who are gentle. Those who are peacemakers. And the question is, why are they so blessed? Why are they so favored? Well, it's my hope that as I and others preach through the Beatitudes, we'll know why the Lord puts a premium on these individuals. But today we want to look at the first Beatitude that is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. The label that we're giving this sermon is the blessed poor. The blessed poor. And I want you to see three different insights from 
this beatitude. When our Lord said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the first insight is regarding the identity of the poor in spirit. Who are these individuals that Jesus is focusing on? Who are these individuals who are, quote, blessed? If we don't understand who they are, then we won't grasp the beatitude. We won't understand the significance of what our Lord Jesus Christ is saying. Our Lord Jesus Christ doesn't identify this group of people by their names. He doesn't identify them by their positions or their actions, but rather he identifies them by their character. And that's going to be a big emphasis in the Beatitudes. It's not so much on what people do, but it's on who people are their character, the nature of their being. And and Jesus calls out a group as those who are poor in spirit. But, But what does that mean? I think most of us understand the word poor. We have a general concept of what that refers to, even though poor can refer to different things in different contexts. Sometimes we might look at our situation as, and we're poor, but when we compare it with people in third world nations, we find out that we're not poor at all. But the basic idea of the poor means that a person without the basic necessities of life, without food and clothing and shelter, and they don't have the possessions to, to, to get those things. And they have to rely upon others. So when we think about poverty, we're talking about people who don't have the material means to get the things that are needed in life. The Old Testament and the New Testament recognizes the reality of the poor. You can read the Old Testament and the poor are mentioned over and over again. You can read the New Testament and it talks about the poor. The number of references are too many to cite. The poor are a reality. And when we come to this first gospel, the gospel of Matthew, we find that Matthew refers to the poor on several different occasions. The Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 5, refers to the poor. And he talks about, Jesus talks about his public ministry and and what he has come to do. And one of the benefits of his public ministry is that the poor have heard the gospel. The gospel has been preached to the poor. When Jesus came here on earth, He dealt with people's physical needs. He dealt with people's diseases, etc. And one of the things that is clear from the book of Isaiah and also the book of Luke is that Jesus preached the gospel to those who were poor. 
If you continue on in the Gospel of Matthew, in, in Matthew chapter 21, verse, I mean, Matthew chapter 19, verse 21, Jesus encountered a rich man, the rich young ruler. And Jesus told that rich man, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor. And even in the latter part of Jesus' ministry, as he's going to the cross, remember there's that woman who anoints him, who, who breaks that alabaster box of perfume and anoints the Lord Jesus Christ. And the disciples got upset. They, they said that that perfume could have been sold for 300 denarii, 300 days of wages and given to the poor. The Lord rebuked his disciples and said to his disciples, you're going to have the poor with you always. So the Bible does not have its head buried in the sand when it comes to people who are poor. You'll find them in the Old Testament. You'll find them in the New Testament. And you'll find that the people of God have a responsibility to the poor. Luke, in his gospel, in chapter 6, has a version of the Beatitudes that's different slightly from Matthew. There, people call it the Sermon on the Plain. In Matthew, it's the Sermon on the Mount. But one of the Beatitudes that you find in Luke is that Jesus says, Blessed are you who are poor. No other further description. Jesus says in that sermon, You who are poor, you are living in poverty, you who don't have your material goods and needs met, you are blessed. But we need to understand that in the context of what the Bible says about the poor. Because even though the poor don't possess their, the, the necessities of life, they don't throw up their hands, they don't give up. The, the poor that are mentioned in Scripture that God favors and blesses are those who put their trust in him. They might not be able to get the things that they need on their own, but that causes them to, to depend and to rely upon God to meet their needs. And so when Jesus says in Luke 6, blessed are you who are poor, that's who he has in mind. He's not just talking about all of the poor. He's talking about those poor people who recognize that they're in need, but they come to God and recognize that God is the one who provides for them. And God has different ways that he can do that. But when we come to our beatitude, it refers to the poor in spirit. It doesn't just simply say the poor, but it talks about those who are poor in spirit. And spirit here doesn't mean the Holy Spirit, but it refers to the human spirit. 
So the poverty that Jesus is speaking of in our beatitude is not an outward poverty, not an external poverty, but an internal poverty. An inward poverty. It speaks of one who is spiritually bankrupt and destitute. It speaks of an individual who understands or recognizes that they have nothing at all that makes them acceptable to God. They come to the realization that they have no means. They have no abilities. They have no accomplishments that somehow would cause them to find the favor of God. They are absolutely destitute. They are absolutely bankrupt. They are paupers spiritually. These individuals who are poor in spirit are not like the Pharisee in that parable that's found in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. The the Pharisee came to the temple, and this is what he said. He said, God, I, I thank thee that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, are even like this tax gatherer who has the nerve to be by my side, so to speak. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. See, that's a person who thinks they have something that makes themselves acceptable to God. But those who are poor in spirit, They don't dare come to God as if they have some accomplishments, as if they have done certain things that makes them pleasing to Almighty God. They don't stand before the God, before God and boast about what they have done, about what, who they are and what they're not like. Instead, they're like the tax gatherer. The tax gatherer, the scripture says, was unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven. He was spiritually bankrupt. He was destitute. He he understood that in and of himself, he didn't even have the right to look up to heaven where God dwells. He was unwilling to do that. And he was beating his breast and saying, God, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. That's the person who is poor in spirit, understanding that they need the mercy of God because they're a sinner. And that leaves them bankrupt and destitute and leaves them having nothing at all. So when Jesus talks about the poor in spirit, that's 
who he's speaking about. Yes, it's very possible for, that they might literally be poor, but they might be rich. But regardless of whether, whether they're rich or poor, to be poor in spirit says that they come to God with empty hands. They come to God knowing that they have nothing that they can offer him that would cause him to somehow look upon them with favor. So when Jesus gives this beatitude, that's who he's focusing on. The poor in spirit. Some believe that Jesus might be referring back to Isaiah 66 verses 1 and 2. Let me read those two verses for you. Those verses say, thus says the Lord. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where then is a house you could build for me? And where is a place that I may rest? God says, for my hand made all these things. Thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But to this one I will look. That is, God says, this is the one that I will show favor to. This is the one who stands blessed in my presence. To him who is humble and contrite of spirit and trembles at my word. This is the identity of the one who is poor in spirit. This is the one who is the center of this beatitude that Jesus gives. The second insight to glean from this beatitude is regarding the blessedness of being poor in spirit. The blessedness. It's one thing to be able to recognize who is poor in spirit, but it's another thing to be convinced that if you possess such a character, that that is a blessing. And as I said, that the world oftentimes would look at someone who is poor in spirit and would look at someone who, who says, I have nothing to offer God, that I'm bankrupt, I'm destitute. They will look at such an individual and look down upon such a person. We prefer a self-made person. We prefer a person who can, quote, stand face to face to God and boast of what they have accomplished and what they have done and how they have pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps. We put on a pedestal many times those who know nothing at all about being poor in spirit. But when Jesus gives this beatitude, the, the group, the people that he elevates, the group, the people that he speaks of in a wonderful way are the poor in spirit. And he lets us know what our attitude should be 
to this characteristic of being poor in spirit. Jesus declared, blessed, blessed, blessed is are those who are poor in spirit. Literally, the poor in spirit, blessed, blessed. Now, the word blessed, uh, as you'll find, if you look at the passage, as you will hear different sermons on it, this is the key word. Uh, It's used nine different times. Once each, beginning in verse 3 and ending in verse 11. So that has led some people to believe that there are nine Beatitudes. Uh, I take the position that there's eight Beatitudes. Begins in verse 3 and ends in verse 10. But that's for another another sermon and a sermon that I won't be preaching. But the word blessed is a loaded term. It's a term that you really have to get your hands around. Some have translated this word happy or fortunate or favored. And obviously the New American Standard Bible says blessed. But one word really doesn't capture the meaning of the Greek term. It really doesn't. And so basically when we talk about what it means to be blessed, we would have to acknowledge that a person is favored by God. God sees this person as special. God sees this person as blessed. And that's the important thing. It's not who we are in the eyes of others. What Jesus is talking about here are individuals who are blessed and favored in the eyes of Almighty God. He's the source of this blessing. It's a person who is blessed presently, but understands that ultimately the full benefits of who they are will be experienced in the future. They understand that what they have right now is just a little taste of what they will have in the future. And this person flourishes. This person does well despite the circumstances of life. It doesn't matter if they're grieving or mourning. It doesn't matter if they're hungering or thirsty. Thirsty. It doesn't matter if they're being persecuted. They're blessed. They're favored. Being blessed by God, being favored by God. Being one who is flourishing because of God has nothing at all to do with your circumstances. It has all to do with God's goodness and kindness to the individual. And so some might say blessed means happy. And I say that's sappy on the happy. I'm not into happy because that's more emotional. 
That doesn't fit the idea of mourning. That doesn't fit the idea of being gentle. That doesn't fit the idea of being persecuted and being reproached. What Jesus is talking about is that the blessings of God are on the individual. They're being favored by God. They are flourishing because of God. They're in a state of being that's not due to themselves, but rather is due to Almighty God. So there is a blessedness associated with being poor in spirit. The person who is poor in spirit is being favored and blessed by Almighty God. The last thing that I would want you to see from this beatitude, the last insight to glean and to gain, is the benefit of being poor in spirit. There's a benefit, there's a consequence, there's a result of being poor in spirit. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Why are they blessed? What's the reason for the fact that they are favored? What's the reason for them flourishing despite the circumstances? Jesus says it's because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Belonging to them is the kingdom of heaven. They are members of the kingdom of heaven. Now, I know, unfortunately, I'm guilty of this also. We don't get excited about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God like we should. We don't. And sometimes we don't even talk about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God like we should. But I want you to know that from Genesis to Revelation, a major, major theme of the Bible is the kingdom of God. You need to know that. That the kingdom of God is bigger than the church. The kingdom of God is spoken of from Genesis 1-1 all the way to Revelation 22. It is a major theme and teaching of the word of God. When Jesus began his public ministry, he told people, repent. Why? The kingdom of God is at hand. It's about to come. And he says in light of that, individuals, men and women, boys and girls, need to repent and turn from their sin and put their faith in Christ and faith in the gospel. When Jesus walked on earth, what the Jews were looking for was the hope of the Old Testament that focused on the kingdom of God. Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven. Only four times in his gospel does he refer to it as the kingdom of God. But 32 times he calls it the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are the same. The kingdom of heaven 
says that the source of the kingdom is heaven. The kingdom of God says the source of the kingdom is God. And you'll find that in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus doesn't talk about the church. It hasn't even come into existence. He talks about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is the blessing or what belongs to those who are blessed of God, as we see in our verse. But when we get to verse 10, it's going to say theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's a future aspect to this kingdom of heaven. It didn't actually arrive. It's still future. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, talks about when Jesus Christ comes back for the second time. When he comes back to the earth, what he's going to do is set up his kingdom on earth. And he will reign. The one who is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. That the government will be upon his shoulder. And then eventually, when you read Revelation 21 and 22, when it talks about the new heaven and the new earth, it's talking about the kingdom of God. It's talking about that kingdom where God reigns forever over his people. You might think God is not in control, but the Bible says he reigns, he rules, he is a sovereign God, and he's in control of all things. And the time will come where that will become manifest. We look forward to heaven. But the Bible really looks forward to the new heavens and the new earth. The, the kingdom of God. And, and so when Jesus says to this group of people that theirs is the kingdom of heaven, that theirs is the kingdom of God, you, you couldn't ask for anything more. That, that, that was a profound, the ultimate blessing. To be told that your character was of such a nature that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God belongs to you. Jesus says in this beatitude that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That right now, the kingdom of heaven Kingdom of heaven is theirs. They possess it. But, but it's clear from the other beatitude that there's still something future with regards to the kingdom of heaven. There, there is a future aspect that they don't actually have the kingdom of heaven in full possession. It's theirs in the sense that it's promised to them, that they get a little taste of it, but it's still future when they experience it. And I want you to note a little bit about this kingdom of heaven. If you just look at the following Beatitudes, 
you will see what it is to have the kingdom of heaven. To have the kingdom of heaven means that you're going to be comforted. Those who mourn shall be comforted. To have the kingdom of heaven means that you will inherit the earth. Just like God is going to rule over the earth, we who are followers of Jesus, we who are poor in spirit, will reign with him. To have a little bit of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God right now, means that you're satisfied. That the things that you long for, that you yearn for, that will be preached about later, you will be satisfied. The things that we crave, the godly things that we want, we only get a little taste of that right now, but in the future, we will be fully and totally satisfied. It means that you will receive mercy. It means that you shall see God it means that you shall be called the sons of God. It means that heaven, the kingdom of heaven, is your current possession. What a benefit. What a consequence. What a result of being poor in spirit. And no wonder our Lord said about these people, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It belongs to this group. Those who are spiritually poor, those who are independent of themselves and depend upon God, they are the ones that the kingdom of heaven belongs to. So let me close with a couple points of application. Because the poor in spirit are declared by Jesus to be blessed in the eyes of God, you and I must make sure that we were marked by poverty in spirit when it comes to our salvation. We got to make sure that if we are claiming that we are Christians, if we're claiming that we are followers of Jesus Christ, then we must make sure that when that became a reality, when God saved us, when God forgave us our sin, that we were marked by being poor in spirit. Because if that was not true of you, if that was not true of me, if I was not poor in spirit, then my salvation is phony, it's bogus, it's not real, it's not genuine. Anyone and everyone who is saved by God is marked by being poor in spirit. They understand that they have nothing at all 
to offer God for their salvation, for the forgiveness of their sins. Yesterday, someone was sharing with me their testimony. And the person said how they hit rock bottom. I responded by everyone who comes to Jesus Christ for salvation. Everyone who becomes a follower of Jesus has hit rock bottom. It doesn't matter if you're down and out or if you're in and up. If you don't hit rock bottom spiritually, you don't have salvation. You, you got to be poor in spirit. You got to come to God and say, I have nothing I can offer you. I'm bankrupt. I'm a pauper. I have nothing at all. If you think you're acceptable to God because you come to church or because you pray some prayer or because you hold some position or because you do this or that, you're fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. Only those who are poor in spirit experience genuine salvation. The songwriter said it well in the song Rock of Ages. We don't sing it too much. But nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked, come to thee for dress. Helpless, look to thee for grace. Vile, I, I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Rock of ages cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. If you came to Christ any other way, if you came to Christ offering him this and offering that and patting yourself on the back and talking about how you tithe and how you do this and you're not like other people, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. Only the poor in spirit will receive the kingdom of heaven, will be saved. But let me make one other point. Because the poor in spirit are declared blessed by Jesus to be favored in the eyes of God, you and I must make sure that we are marked by poverty in our walk with God. In our walk with God. We don't come to God one way and then we continue on in the Christian life a different way. That's what Paul said to the, the, the Christians in the churches of Galatia. You began in the spirit. Now, do you think you can go on in the flesh? Do you think that you, do, do I think that I can please God in my own strength, in my own ability? I'm bankrupt. It doesn't matter how many books are in my library. It doesn't matter when I preach and teach, how many books I study and how many authors I read. It doesn't matter what degrees I have. I'm bankrupt. And you are bankrupt when it comes to serving God. We're bankrupt. 
And that's why we need to be seeing that old hymn, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. Oh, gracious Lord. Don't, we must make sure (laughs) that we don't delude ourselves into thinking that somehow even in our walk with God, we have something to offer him. We need his grace. We need his enablement. We need his help. We need his mercy. So we rely upon God and his grace as we walk humbly in dependence upon him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for this sermon that came out of his mouth and particularly for this beatitude. Oh Lord, help us to think deeply on the words that our Savior said, that blessed are the poor in spirit because theirs is a kingdom of heaven. Open our eyes to what you value, what you cherish. The world that we live in, Father, looks for other things. But you desire that we be characterized as poor in spirit. That we have nothing at all to offer you. But thank you for all that we can gain by you saving us and making us a part of the family of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. May that mark us in our walk with you. And Father, I I pray that it marked us when you saved us. Because if it didn't, we know you have not saved us. I pray today that there might be someone who will recognize that they have nothing that they can offer you. That today will be the day of salvation where they come with nothing in their hands and cling simply to the cross of Jesus and ask for the forgiveness of sins. Oh God, move on hearts today. And even as your people, help us to deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.